broadcasting live. Weekday mornings, this is listener-supported One Radio Network. Very pleasant. Uh, good afternoon to you. We got our second little uh, show today. It is the uh, 20th of June, 2023. And this is OneRadioNetwork.com. If you're watching on uh, our video platform, BitChute, please remember to subscribe to the channel and you'll be alerted every time we put a new show up like this one or the one we did this morning with uh, uh, Bear Paul Lando. And uh, please pass on these links to everyone you care about if you hear something you like. Also, the way to support us is below the, the, the video here, you'll see a link to One Radio Network, the store, and we promote products, are really, really nice products. We're very um, picky about the ones we do promote and have for 15 years. Most of them have been around that long. And then we get a little commission when you buy through our website. You have to go through our website for us to get a commission. And then um, that's how we support ourselves. So if you see something you like, we have a lot of cool products and services. Um, just click on the link on the website or in the store on the website and uh, I'll buy away. It's a little bit after 1 o'clock Central Time. We're going to go out west here. Uh, you probably have heard of this thing. I don't, I don't know what else to call it other than a thing um, called ESG, Environmental social, and governance, ESG. And it's a strange program that folks are trying to put in and get people to do stuff, and and we're going to have Brandon on to explain it. Brandon Smith has come on our show every now and again for several years. He's a good guy. His website is alt-market.us. And he's been at this uh, since about 2010. Really is uh, interested in freedom, how it works, getting information out there um, that the mainstream refuses to really discuss. He has some great articles on his website. You can go back, alt-market.us. And um, he's a patriot and a good guy. So we're going to say hi to him and get started. Mr. Brandon, good morning. How are you, sir? Uh, Morning. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Nice to have you on your show. How are things up there in Montana? You all pretty cool with as far as your mm, freedom movement politicians up there? I'll let you guys alone, or how does it work, Montana these days? Well, so far, <laughs> I mean, uh, there we've I think we've done pretty well with the state legislature, and uh, they've been um, pretty solid so far. Especially after we got rid of the that last guy that was. Uh, pushing the, the COVID mandates. So <laughs> ever since then, we've, we've been doing pretty good. Pretty good. So in general, up in that uh, neck of the woods, you guys are pretty solid with uh, Second Amendment and uh, keeping government out of your hair, so to speak. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're. I think we have the most guns per capita in the country, so we're doing pretty good there. Well, you got a lot of moose and stuff that people eat, right? Yeah, well, more deer, more deer than people, I think. So, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about this ESG. We've been hearing about, I guess now, what a couple of years has it been around? Uh, well, ESG has been around for uh, decades in oh, one really? form or another. But yeah, it's it it started out uh, within the UN. Uh, focused on climate change issues. But what happened was just in the past maybe eight to ten years, they expanded ESG-related policies and projects into the social justice sphere. So that's when we started to see, uh, you know, what a lot of people call uh, woke politics uh, going into uh, bank um, mm-hmm. lo- bank lending, essentially, and uh, corporate lending, and uh, now it's starting to uh, spread into central bank lending. Central too. Oh, that's so. Um, this stuff with uh, Brandon with Bud Light and uh, Target and God knows who else is involved in some of these things. Is this all 
tied in with uh, um, Disney with this environmental, social, and governance that they want to um, adjust the the uh, the culture to their thinking. This is what it's about. Yes, actually, they openly admit that uh, ESG lending uh, is specifically for social engineering. So, that the, the the purpose of it is to um, you know they they might call it impact investing, mm-hmm. uh, but it's essentially social engineering. And the idea is that they will only put money uh, through lending into certain uh, projects and, and companies that uh, adhere to a, their set of values or their set of political uh, principles, uh, their ideology. So it, uh, this is why you're, you're maybe in the past five years or so you've started to see so many uh, corporations and companies jump onto, uh, let's say, the pride bandwagon. That's mm-hmm. one example mm-hmm. of uh, Pride Month and, and how this is, uh, you know, five years ago, almost nobody, um, you know, cared about Pride Month. It's sort of a, a, a throwaway co- concept. It's not something that we would hear, hear about very often. Um, you know, the, the gay community, that's fine. They, they had their thing, whatever. Um, then all of a sudden, in the past few years, it's it's everywhere. It's in our faces constantly. Mm. Uh, you can't get away from it. There's you know the the, the pride flags are everywhere. The <clears throat> they're even on going on little kids' clothes, and that's where sort of <laughs> the the line was drawn and 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 crossed. And now uh, the general public have started to boycott a lot of these companies because the. The ideology is being pushed so hard, uh, and now they're starting to target kids with it that people are, are fed up. Yes. So, so just let's just pick out Target, because uh, Brandy, because you mentioned clothes. So, why would the executives and the PR people at Target um, do Pride T-shirts, and and they have a different um, um, underwear for? trans and all that. Why Why would they do this? Do they really believe this stuff or is somebody paying them to do it? I think in some cases, certain CEOs really do believe in it, but mm-hmm. uh, there is also uh, a lot of monetary <clears throat> incentive uh, going into these, uh, these policies, and that's through ESG. And a lot of uh, banks will have a, an ESG scoring system, which they use hmm. to determine if you are worthy of a loan or worthy of special right. funding through their bank or through that, the, that company or that foundation. And the more uh, woke policies you have at your company, uh, the more sort of virtue signaling that you do, uh, the more likely it is that you'll be able to get that money. Wow, yeah, very clever when you want to drive a, your, your agenda, right? Pretty clever. Yes, and uh, hmm. it's, it's clever in that uh, it's sort of um, subversive and, and out of sight of the general public. They don't understand what ESG is. They just see the after effects. They just see, you know... Uh, trans clothing for for toddlers and and stuff like that Mm -hmm. in Target. And they don't understand what the real motivation is. They think it's uh, these companies are doing it on principle when in reality they're they're doing it for access to cash. Access to cash. Um, So even, I guess, all these big companies, I guess they do a lot of stuff like Disney or uh, Anheuser-Busch or Target. They're always borrowing money. Are they not? They're always borrowing and using credit? Almost always. A lot of these major corporations, are uh, they have massive debts. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're always cycling <clears throat> those debts into something else. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're always borrowing money in order to move debt around. Uh, they get more and more indebted. <laughs> it's sort of a... A terrible cycle, but um, especially in this kind of economy where 
uh, everything is very uncertain. You have some banks, you know, uh, some banks imploding as we as we saw at the beginning mm-hmm. of the spring, uh, and access to debt is a way that a company can ensure that they'll survive no matter what happens. It's you know. Um, uh, there's always some kind of bailout that they're looking for to sort of uh, protect themselves in the event that there's another crash, uh, say, like 2008, you know, what we saw in 2008. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I've had small businesses, and we certainly had to do a few little loans, but I've never understood, on a big scale, you would think somebody like Anheuser-Busch or Target has enough cash flow to just keep going without continuing to borrow. But can you explain how that works? Well, uh, yeah, like I was saying, it's it's sort of a game of cycling debt. So uh, a lot of these companies will uh, take on uh, certain projects, uh, especially, you know, a company like Disney, um, they'll take on certain projects, they'll pour a bunch of money into those projects, mm-hmm. uh, you know, thinking that they're going to make their money back, uh, and, uh, you know, there are times when they just don't. So <laughs> what we saw with Disney, mm-hmm. uh, just in the past year, Disney has had multiple uh, financial failures in terms of the box office and, and movies. Uh, I, I I believe they just they just had uh, Little Mermaid. Yeah. Uh, the the woke Little Mermaid that that bombed uh, completely. So that was a, a real disaster for them. And then uh, Pixar, which is a, a subsidiary of Disney, mm-hmm. they also had a huge bomb this this past week. Uh, oh, that so, was some superhero thing guy or girl that didn't make it. I I think it made seventy million or something, but they needed to a lot more to. To really go for it, because they cost them two or three hundred million to make these things. Yeah, you well, you have to take into account that um, a, a chunk of the box office receipts go to the theaters. Mm-hmm. So that's the, you know the Disney doesn't get all that money; ah, they only right. get part of it. Mm-hmm. And then there's also the marketing and advertising, which usually doubles the the total budget of the movie. Um, so a lot of times when you see you know the, the uh, whatever movie made seventy billion or whatever. Uh, a lot of no. times, that's that's just a tiny part of the I actual okay. overall cost. So, before we get too far afield here, let's go through ESG stands for Environmental Social Governance, and you suggested earlier on Brandon Smith that this started long ago with the United Nations, and it was mainly a climate thing, and it is now expanded into social and governance. So explain what these three things are ESG, what, what, their, what their goal is, their motive, their mission statement, if you will. Well, the, I mean, the goal is essentially to push as many corporations as possible mm-hmm. into supporting uh, a handful of ideological concepts. Mm-hmm. So one of those concepts which the UN pushed first was uh, climate change mm-hmm. and uh, pushing corporations to accept carbon emissions controls. Oh, okay. uh, you know, we could go all day about the legitimacy of, of uh, climate change science. Um, there's not much legitimacy to it. Sure. I'll just say that. Um, but the, uh, the control which these uh, institutions can gain by using climate change and climate change hysteria is um, impressive. There, there's mm-hmm. a lot of control that they can gain from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and pushing corporations to uh, go along with the carbon controls and also widely promoting the ideas that the UN wants them to promote to the public. That's the other uh, sort of angle of control. Um, now, I would say that there's actually a lot of major corporations that are happily going along with this, these sorts of policies uh, and that they are working closely with uh, globalist foundations, uh, globalist institutions, and that this is more so a conspiracy than just a simple incentive. 
Um, but there is also a lot of companies that are, you know, they're not part of that that inner circle, and they are being incentivized through ESG, the the lending through ESG. So it's the idea that if a corp signs something and, and goes through with it, they do what they agree to do. They um, they then push uh, climate change through their products or uh, the trans thing or. Uh, what's the governance stand for in the G? What's the G stand for? Uh, that's a little more complex, but the governance governance, governance angle is, in ESG is more about corporate, uh, a joint corporate uh, and foundation governance. So, <clears throat> if you think of the the original definition of fascism, mm-hmm. uh, which came from not from Mussolini, but from some philosopher that Mussolini stole it from. But but Mussolini is famous for for talking about the um, collusion between corporations and governments and how that was the foundation of, of fascism. true fascism. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's essentially what they're pushing right now. And mm. there's they're almost openly admitting to that goal. Uh, we saw this maybe I, I believe 2021 is when they announced a project called the Council for Inclusive Capitalism. Mm, yes. And <laughs> this is a, uh, a, a Rothschild-directed uh, sort of project working in tandem with numerous corporations and the Vatican, believe it or not. Oh. Uh, the, the Vatican is, is uh, very avidly supportive of this uh, project. For inclusive capitalism, and it's a group of corporations working closely with government government bodies and with globalist institutions, all working together as one sort of governing body, a one governing system or network. And the idea is that the corporations utilize their influence over society uh, in tandem with governments and uh, think tanks in order to socially engineer, uh, a, in their words, a better world or a more inclusive world. Uh, really, it's just uh, a socialistic system uh, akin to fascism, somewhat like communism as well, but it's a socialistic system that forces people to uh, go along with uh, uh, the woke ideology, uh, climate and carbon controls, and it's forcing people to accept eventually uh, what they call the fourth industrial revolution or uh, the shared economy. And the shared economy is a system in which we own, there's no private property, that all private property is erased and everything is, uh, everything that the common person uses is borrowed from the system. Real, that's real communism, I guess. Would that be real communism, Brandon, what you just stated there? It's hard. It's hard to say uh, because the definition. Uh, it seems like they're changing right. and moving the goalposts for communism in terms of the definition all the time. But uh, it's there's two systems that it would be well three in history that it'd be very similar to. Um, that would be uh, uh, fascism, communism, and feudalism would be the the three systems mm-hmm. that it's most c- closely related to. So these people are really intent on doing as much as they can to get this. If you just use the ESG as as a as their as their vision statement, so who's at the back end, in your opinion, um, the big bankers and the the people we know as globalists and the BlackRock and all these folks and the banks and just the, the, that whole crowd. Yeah, international bankers, I think, mm-hmm. are the, the at the core of it. Um, you have these sort of uh, phantom corporations, um, you know, BlackRock and yeah. <clears throat> Carlyle Group, uh, these these organizations that you you don't hear about that often, but should because their hands are in everything. Their their you know their money is in everything. And they try to influence the world by putting their money into almost everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's those guys, and then there's uh, global institutions like the UN, um, 
you know, the Ford Foundation, the Rockefeller Foundation, mm-hmm. uh, Tavistock, uh, CFR, a lot of these groups are also uh, intimately involved in ESG-type lending and, and projects. So, so the, the woke stuff, uh, Brennan, is just a, it's just a segment of it. It's the, the total control of, of everything when it comes to environment and money and uh, social stuff, social engineering. That's the package. Yeah, it, and it's sort of a trickle-down uh, concept because what they're doing is they're trying to get that top whatever 10% of companies or top 20% of companies and then influencing them to spread that ideology down the line to smaller companies and businesses and to push it on the general public through marketing and, and advertising and all kinds of things. So they're, they're using that top percentage of, of companies uh, in different organizations in order to spread this down the line, this ideology. And, and the idea, um, I, I think, uh, at least the, the, ta- the tactical idea that they're um, employing is a saturation effect. So they, they saturate the market with woke politics, uh, climate change, uh, propaganda, all of that stuff. They saturate the, the environment with it through marketing and whatever else, and then people see it all the time, mm-hmm. and they think that, that this is normal, that this is what the majority of the population is also into, and that this is how the majority also thinks, when in reality it's just a handful, it's a tiny minority of people uh, bombarding you every day with this propaganda until you think it's mainstream. Hmm. So I, I guess people have been asking, certainly have received a few emails of why a company like Anheuser-Busch would do the Bud Light thing with this trans and, and just get their ass kicked on the, you know, with their stock price. I mean, they had to know, maybe, that this was going to happen. What do you think? Yeah, uh, that's one thing that, um, so people will say, well, why would these companies yeah. uh, go along with, um, you know, woke ideology when they're losing their, their customer base or half of their customer base mm-hmm. or more. Uh, it, and I believe, uh, it, as I wrote in an article recently, I believe that some of these companies are aware that the economic uh, fundamentals are about to change. Uh, they're aware that there's going to be an economic crisis and that the consumer is going to lose a vast amount of their buying power. So now they're shifting away from the consumer as their primary uh, source of survival, and they're moving over towards the banks as their primary source of survival. Uh, They know that something is about to happen, I believe, and that the ESG lending is going to, they think that's going to be their way to survive the crisis. Hmm. We're talking about an article that Brandon wrote. I saw it on Zero Hedge that I visit, but also on his website, ESG Dystopia, Why Corporations Are Doubling Down on Woke Even As They Lose Billions. His website is alt-market.com. So, so these people know that something up is with the de-dollarization and uh, the coming to central bank digital currencies. And again, maybe help me uh, understand more what they think their way forward is is to uh, control corporations and banking? Well, ESG would be used to control, um, I guess, the direction of uh, corporate culture and how they, uh, how they behave and how they market mm-hmm. to the public. Uh, the, I guess the other control mechanism would be uh, the conversion to the future conversion to digital currency, mm-hmm. and that's something that I cover pretty widely on my site, and I have been for years. The this sort of quiet conversion over to what they call CBDCs, right. the central bank digital currencies, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that what will happen. This is just my theory: is that there will be uh, a um, debt crisis uh, along with the stagflationary crisis that uh, the dollar will be widely affected, mm-hmm. 
and that uh, certain other uh, countries and their currencies will be affected as well, and that CBDCs or digital currencies will be introduced as a solution, that this will be a, a possible solution. Uh, and what the globalists call this is a, uh, the Great Reset. Yeah. This is this is the reset. Um, this is what the reset is. Essentially, it's a it's a grand and very fast shift away from the old way of doing economics. Uh, you know, the old monetary systems, the old methods of trade. Uh, those will all go out the window um, through a crisis event, and then they will introduce this new system uh, with a, a digital currencies, cashless society, all of that stuff. But uh, and this will be done through bailouts, but it won't be uh, the sort of helicopter money, uh, free-for-all bailouts that we saw back in 2008. This will be uh, very uh, controlled and directed bailouts only to specific uh, groups and companies. And those bailouts, I believe, will go to the companies that show most fealty to ESG uh, policies, the companies that show that they are the most on board with woke uh, politics and with climate change and with uh, social justice. Wow, wow, wow. And then I suspect then that the ESG model would be used with the digital currencies as, as a model for controlling each individual who wants to participate in the digital whatever this thing is going to be. That's exactly right. It would be something uh, similar to China's uh, social credit system. Uh, the the idea that you have this sort of good citizen score, uh, which would be your in in the Western uh, case would be your ESG score. Uh, this is you, you you said this many woke things <laughs> this week. Uh, you saved this much on electricity and and uh, reduce your carbon output by this much this week, um, that sort of thing. And that will be your good, your good little citizen score <laughs> through ESG, and that will allow you access to the general economy and to uh, money lending and uh, a, a host of other things. So, um, yeah. This is something that it's, it's actually quite a bit like what we saw with the, what they tried to do with the COVID mandates, mm -hmm. where they tried to introduce vaccine passports and that sort of thing. And uh, if you, uh, there was a, a distinct threat, and they made it often that if you spoke out against the mandates, that you could have your vaccine passport revoked, even if you were uh, vaccinated and and not infected with COVID and that right. sort of thing. They could just take it away. Right. So. Um now, the WHO is trying to really push this vaccine passport to travel internationally. Um, but Brandon Smith, their, their authority is still suspect, right? I mean, you have people like DeSantis. Uh, he's, I think he's the most outspoken that says, we don't care what the WHO says in Florida. That We don't care. You know, we're just not going to do anything that they say. Texas is, our guy is a little bit more wishy-washy. Um, What's your opinion on how this is going to play out? Do you think they're going to be able to run with this vaccine passport to travel internationally? Well, I don't think that uh, most of these agendas will, in the long run, will succeed. Oh, uh, I think that it's just too, the public is too well uh, mm -hmm. aware now that it exists. Um, they might not fully understand it, and they don't necessarily talk about it, Every day at the dinner table, but they're aware of it now, and they're they're skeptical. Uh, they're very suspicious of what's happening um, in terms of even ESG is starting to become a household word or a household term. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that in in America and in parts of Europe, this is uh, highly sus suspect. Uh, a lot of the public is aware of it, and they're even with a, a major crisis or even a collapse, I, I don't think people would accept those terms. Uh, <clears throat> a lot of them. I, I think millions of Americans would resist that kind of system. So, it, I mean, in the long run, you're looking at, uh, you know, if they keep pushing the issue, you're looking at something akin to a, a revolution or a, a rebellion. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, uh, the uh, the attorney general or somebody I'm looking here in Texas, um, Texas Republican Comptroller Glenn Hager, uh, he lists a, uh, a list of 10 companies, 348 investment funds that will be barred from doing business with the state because they boycott energy companies. So even places like Texas, which, which our governor is a, a little wishy, they're, you know, they're saying that we're not going to play along with these things. Yeah, and th- this is uh, this is a good move in the right direction. It's it's nice to see uh, states finally taking action. Uh, hopefully, uh, it's enough to sort of turn the tide because a lot of uh, Republican politicians have been silent or unaware for uh, years. Uh, mm-hmm you know, while this was going on, and only uh, in maybe in the past year and a half have they really started to uh, openly discuss uh, ESG issues and start to fight back in terms of state legislation. So, yeah, it's a move in the right direction. Um, I think that a lot more needs to be done in order to to fight back against this sort of thing. Uh, one example... Um, of how ESG can really uh, invade, uh, I guess, the corporate world and affect your rights. Um, you know, there have been certain banks who uh, have decided to go against the Second Amendment by restricting uh, the way in which you can use their bank cards uh, to purchase items, or they'll track uh specifically track, say, gun purchases uh, made th- with their bank cards um, and may even refuse to lend money to certain companies uh, such as gun-producing companies. So that's one way in which it would, might affect your rights directly because over time what this does is it, it discourages people from buying guns, it discourages companies from making guns, uh, that sort of thing. So it, it it's there are a lot of ways in which this could directly impact your constitutional rights if we're not careful. Mm. You really have to give them a little credit. I mean, we we were talking Brandon Smith about uh, smart meters ten years ago, right? Uh, and uh, we dealt with it on the environmental side and and how dangerous they are to put one of these things opposite your your living room wall, right? I mean. The electronic, the electromagnetic fields from these things are crazy, but then now you look at it, and I mean, I heard on a Texas radio uh, KLBJ where I used to work in Austin, big station, they're actually convincing people to let them control their um, their temperature, you know, to lower the AC or you know, or raise the temperature when they're losing juice and paying them twenty bucks a month, and people are doing it. It's really amazing. Really amazing. Yes, and that's the that's the smart city mm-hmm. end of mm-hmm. the agenda. And smart cities would be uh, that'd be an environment where almost everything is remotely controlled. Every oh. appliance you have is remotely controlled. Um, even your water heater, uh, your refrigerator, those those sorts of things are all remotely controlled and monitored by uh, sort of a centralized. Um, government, uh, you know, network. So mm-hmm. it, it, it would be very difficult for them to pull it off right now uh, in terms of monitoring, but um, it would be uh, AI monitored in the future, AI monitored in real time. Mm-hmm. So these guys really have a big, a big vision, dystopian thing, Brandon, to control everything. I mean, these guys are just, God love them, psychopaths. I mean, they just really are, aren't they? Yeah, that this <laughs> only psychopaths would be interested in this level of, <laughs> of, of control. control. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of us, we just want to live our lives and, and have a, you know do live a normal life, sure. and and but yeah. uh, they are they are uh, at their in their DNA, they're they're fascinated with controlling other people, mm-hmm. and that's how they they think that their legacy is built by how much control they can get. And, and it feels like, Brandon, that this has been in the works and in their plan uh, for a long time with the dollar and uh, banking and wars and military-industrial complex, and as you mentioned, the Vatican's involved and the UN. So it's not like they're just now coming up with this. They, 
They, I, no, no, They've no, had no. a big plan, haven't they, for a long time? For decades, yeah. for decades, yes. Wow, man. And then, of course, along the way, they've managed to get almost all the media. You know, they've, they've been working hard at that, right? With, even going back to, what, the UPI and AP and uh, the 20s and 30s, they, they snagged those guys, didn't they, I believe? Early on. Yeah, that's why the media is just considered the propaganda wing of of uh, the corporate slash uh, government world uh, at this point. There are no true journalists in mainstream uh, media anymore. It's just uh, gone. They're just propagandists now. Brandon Smith with alt-market.com. So, um, so you you like to do solutions on your in your work and not just call out all these crazy people. So talk to us before you go about some, to our listeners, and we have them around the world, but um, ways that they're going to be able to get around this um, this ES, I mean the, the central bank digital currency. Um, what, what, what do you think that we're going to be using some, maybe the Bitcoins of the world and some other, other things to use other than these digital dollars? What's your take? Yeah, I think going independent uh, as much as possible, self-sustaining as much as possible, uh, I would start uh, putting your money into small businesses and putting your, your economic focus into small businesses. And whatever you can provide for yourself or produce for yourself, uh, I would start doing it now and start learning how to do that because what you're going to have is a highly micromanaged economy and the only way to fight back would to have an independent system, a separate a system, an alternative system. Mm-hmm. Here's an e- email for you, Brandon. Um, does he think that this is why Hollywood has gone so woke, or did are they just uh, left-wing liberals crazies? Yeah, have they been involved with this with the banking? Do you think and and kind of gearing them to be more woke because of the ESG money thing? Do you have any uh, idea? I- I think Hollywood, they do, or they are influenced in part by SG. Um, I think the money has kind of uh, slowed down and died out for them specifically. Uh, and now they're sort of just waiting for that big crisis so they can, um, you know, uh, uh, get uh, get that bailout um, for their virtue signaling. But uh, I think also that Hollywood is sort of a cult Mm-hmm. that there is an element, uh, especially at the top, that is well aware of the system and well aware of what's about to happen. And their their job is to push uh, a massive propaganda effort. That's what yes. they do. For a long time, right? It goes way back. Yeah, it's not just about the money for them. They're actually true believers, I yeah. think. So so you keep alerting to this bailout. So you, you're theorizing that you think, with your research, Brandon Smith, that that there's going to be some kind of a, a big event and then the, the good guys in their eyes are going to get bailed out through central banks can just create money, right? And they can just create money and give it to people to bail them out and they'll let other people just fall by the wayside during this great reset? Yes, exactly. And wow. that, that would include even uh, red states. Uh, I think they'll try to shift as much uh, bailout money into blue states as possible and try to punish red states by uh, restricting the amount of um, bailout money that they get. Uh, so these bankers that are doing this would be the same bankers that's been around for a long time financing all the wars and stuff, right? The same same crowd. They're like Same group. Same. Yeah, same group. Uh, you could, you know, there's a lot of theories on what sort of uh, motivates these guys beyond just power, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I suspect they're the they are majority of them are psychopathic, and that they're an or, organized uh, group of psychopaths that they're that they revolve around a certain ideology or or a religion, and that that is what they uh, are connected by. And this has been, as you say, a long time in, in the making, right? Just a long, long, long time. Yeah, just the just the shift away from the dollar alone yeah. has been discussed since the 1980s. I think the the magazine The Economist had an article about replacing replacing the dollar 
with a global currency system. Um, that was back in the 80s that they were talking about it. And the you know, discussions on uh, global uh, digital currencies have been going on since the 80s and 90s as well. And de-dollarization is kind of a popular word. You, even places in Africa, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, uh, Brazil, a lot of places are, are, are getting out of the dollar. And it's happening very, very quickly, too. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I've been talking about it for about 15 years. Have you really? Uh, just, really? Yeah, just the this, this signals and uh, some of the, their white papers and things where they admit that this is what the plan is. Uh, but, yeah, so they've been sort of positioning their pieces uh, on the board to do this for a long time, and that when they're ready, they'll, they'll move rather quickly, I mm-hmm. think, in order to keep people off guard. And it seems like the BRICS, the BRIC, what is it, Brazil, Russia, India, China, it seems like this is the up-and-comer, the new guys on the, not new guys, but a lot, even at France I saw was thinking about getting into the BRICS. Interesting. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's hard to say in terms of Russia, but I, China definitely is uh, very, very deeply involved in uh, the the global currency scheme, and they're closely working with the IMF and the BIS to institute these uh, programs. Uh, China's sort of a beta test, I think, mm. as a country for a lot of these policies. They they try them out on their citizens, see how they see how the policies work, and then they try to spread it away from China to other countries, um, including like social credit systems and that sort of mass surveillance. All of those things are sort of tested first in China and then moved out to the rest of the world. Well, I assume the IMF, uh, Brandon, and the World Bank were more dollar people. Why would they be playing with uh, China? Because they're interested in getting their yuan out, right? What, what am I well, missing here? That's the thing, and that's a lot of, that's uh, one thing that people, I think, misunderstand. They mm-hmm. think that the globalists are American-centric or dollar-centric or that they're uh, just Western, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, European-centric, and that's not the case. They do not care. They do not have any uh, loyalty to the American system, uh, the American way of life. Uh, they don't have any loyalty to the dollar the dollar is just a tool, mm-hmm. a tool that they used for a certain amount of time to get things that they want, and they will dump that dollar and destroy it as quickly as they please if they think it will help them to get move on to the next level of power, the le- next level of centralization, wow. which would be global, open global centralization, not just... Um, sort of, I think that they don't want to work from behind the scenes anymore, from behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. I think that what they want is to, they want to be uh, open rulers. <laughs> they want to be they want open, to be out there. Yeah, just, yeah, like pharaohs of, from so, ancient Egypt or something along those ah. lines where, where they are, the, the, they are worshipped, they're seen as the mm-hmm. great leaders. Uh, they don't want to be in the shadows anymore. And, and, you know, given that, you know, they're probably psychopaths, that would fit very well with their, uh, you know, psychological makeup, that idea that they, they want to be uh, perceived as the great men. Oh. Uh, and this next stage, the, uh, the reset stage, it would help them to get to that point. So their ego is getting the best of them, and they're going to... Yeah, unless they get away with it. <laughs> so yeah. we just have to make sure they don't get away with it. Many people have conjectured that Obama is in on the as to be one of the big guys on the global. You think so? Uh, Obama, I don't. I don't think. I think he's a middleman. Okay, um, he's not. Well, he's I, not I don't think he's, he's not up on the food chain. Huh? Necessarily very special. Mm-hmm. No, I, I mean uh, Biden actually was is higher up in the hierarchy than. Than Obama was, Biden was um, trilateral commission, I believe. So, oh, wow. so, so finally, um, I'm just real curious about Putin and Russia. In your opinion, you study this stuff way more than I do. Where, where do you think Putin stands in all of this? Where do you, is, is he is he uh, a possibly a good guy at all, or would that be too uh, optimistic? You know, I, I it's really. I have my suspicions. It's hard to say. Uh, the, the one issue with Putin that I I think is troublesome is his uh, close relationship to Henry Kissinger and uh, his friend his friendship with Henry Kissinger, and that's something that's been going on since before he was in 
in charge of Russia. That was something that's uh, uh, written about in his autobiography. So uh, that's suspicious to me. Um, but you know, Russia, the way um, you know some of the, I you know, I guess the the principles that Russia functions on right now are some that a lot of conservatives in America relate to. Um, they're they're more of an orthodox religious right. country. Uh, they don't have necessarily a Second Amendment, but they do have gun rights over there. Uh, things like that, and it's something that conservatives relate to. So I think the tendency is for people to conservatives root for Putin, uh, especially over NATO or Ukraine. Um, but yeah, it's hard for me to say where he really stands, uh, especially since the globalists tend to create uh, by playing both sides of, of yeah. the chessboard. They tend to fabricate wars uh, and it, to make it look like there's, there are two sides when there's actually just one side. Just one. So where do you think the, the energy, uh, the NATO and the, the neocons, that their ultimate goal, do you really think that they feel that they can get into Russia and get rid of Putin? Do you believe? Do they, no, you, I don't think you so. You don't think so? <laughs> I, think that, I think it's more so uh, a potential, the potential for a perpetual war, uh-huh. uh, a sort of a new war. We had, you know, we, it's funny how quickly we shifted away from Iraq and Afghanistan right, uh, right, right. before uh, Ukraine, the, the war in Ukraine started, and I think it's just the new perpetual war. Uh, there's, I don't know, I, I think there's a slim chance that they may be looking for some kind of a uh, limited nuclear event. So, uh, you know, a, a, one or two nukes are used somewhere in a, in a regional war, and then that's used to build fear uh, among the, the, the global populace. Uh, so, and then that would result in more control by governments, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of uh, things that they could use to benefit themselves by having a war uh, with Russia, war with uh, sure. within Ukraine. Yeah, all kinds of possibilities. I was thinking about. It. I mean, we're still, we're still uh, walking in line and taking off our shoes and stuff at the, at the airport because of nine eleven. And our shoes, remember, because of the shoe bomber. Remember that they had this one fake shoe bomber thing, and we're still taking off our shoes to fly today. I mean. These people are pretty good at it. They, you know, they get you know pretty good. Yeah, it's incrementalism, and mm-hmm. and uh, one of the be- uh, one benefit for that in the U.S. I think with the war in Russia, or the sort of the Cold War with Russia, which is could turn into a hot war, is that uh, they're pushing the narrative that the you know Russians are influencing all of these uh, conservative yeah. conversations in the U.S. And that uh, conservatives are somehow secretly uh, working with the Russians. Uh, the conservatives are or being duped by the Russians uh, to spread disinformation and to end uh, civil unrest and all of that. So I, I would guarantee that not long from now you'll start to hear uh, things like, "Oh, the conservatives are actually spies for the Russians." Uh, conservatives are they're uh, working directly with the Russians to subvert uh, America, that sort of thing. You're going to hear a lot of that. Oh, fascinating times, Brandon. We always appreciate when you come on and give us an update of your of your uh, your reality. Uh, Alt hyphen market dot us. Tell folks what to find if they go visit you. Do you have an email thing you you they can sign up for? Or? Yeah, yeah, they'll find, well, I do weekly articles, so that's at alt-market.us, mm-hmm. and I also do a bi-weekly uh, newsletter. That's um, that's a paid newsletter, um, but it gears more towards the survival end of things yeah. and, and how people can uh, prepare for what's going on. Cool. Brandon, thanks for your uh, um, being on the show, and uh, take care of yourself in the great state of Montana today, Brandon Smith. Yeah, thanks for having me yeah, again. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Patrick Timpone, OneRadioNetwork.com. Cool guy. Yeah, I like his writing. You know, I get his stuff and look at it, and it just gives you a pretty, pretty good idea of uh, what could be going on and, hmm, somewhere, somewhere, somehow. 
Okay, kids, we will, uh, we're going to take a little break here. Hope you enjoyed uh, Bear Paul Londo this morning. We'll be streaming that video now if, you, if you're just getting up after a long night out on the, out on the town. And uh, it was a good show. We, we talked about a lot of fun things. So we're going to be streaming that right now on uh, audio and also video on One Radio Network. And, uh, and then we'll, we'll replay Brandon if you got in towards the end of it. And then we'll see you tomorrow with Adam Bergstrom. Adam 2.0, the third Wednesday of the month, and he's always uh, a trip to talk to. Thank you for your ongoing support. If you're watching on video right now, um, after this June 20th day, uh, simply subscribe, hit the subscribe button, that little bell, and then you'll be notified when we have a new show every time when it comes up. So that's fun. And then if you'd like to support us, you can, uh, people are, are sending us 10, 20 bucks a month, and we really appreciate the appreciate that. Our uh, business model that has been working for about 15 years is kind of got off track. Oh, I'd say the last six months to a year, slowly losing sales, uh, even though our listenership has been steady and even increasing in many areas, which is kind of interesting. We we not figured out exactly why that is, but who knows? But it is happening, so. We're trying to uh, encourage uh, more of you to just send us a few bucks a month or 10 bucks or something, and you can do that automatically. And so we can not have to rely so much on um, selling products, which those sales have been have been going down, even though the amount of people have not. So many reasons for that, and it's above my pay grade to try to figure it out. So if you'd like to support us, you can go to our donation tab and send us 10 bucks a month and and that's pretty cool. Kind of value for value if you value what we do here. So thank you. I love you all. And we will see you tomorrow with Adam Bergstrom. My email is not doesn't get too far away from my eyes. Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. If we can help in any way, let me know. We'll see you tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Um, may the blessings be. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.